You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ. To be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You are not made to make excuses. It's time for you to take extreme ownership for your life all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. Amen. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Seeking Excellence Podcast. My name is Nathan Crankfield, your host. I'm joined today by one of my dear, dear friends. We go way back. Eight years now, we've been friends. My dear friend, Leanne Leary. Leanne, how are you? I'm good. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I I can't, you know, I can't complain. It's 85 degrees outside here in Atchison, Kansas. So it's like close to, you know, we're only about 15 degrees off from Haitian weather right now. Basically Haiti, right? <laughs> yeah. how, how, how's the weather down there in Haiti? I know it varies a lot. Hot. Hot, <laughs> hot. The last week has been so hot and we haven't had much power. Wow. The heat is always on. Yeah, the heat is always on outside in Haiti. So that's great. So Leanne, I'd love, you know, your introduction podcast to our listeners, to, to our, yeah. our viewers. Yeah, so it's exciting to have you, but would you first just kind of share a little bit about your life, your background, obviously how you peaked in 2012 or 2013 when you met me, um, and yeah, just like what a pivotal moment in your life that was, just expand upon that for sure. <laughs> yeah, the hatred really was the launching pad. To it was, I, I wouldn't um, call it hatred, I, it was more doubt <laughs> and like yeah, disdain. disdain. Yes, hey, twins, <laughs> you go, go for it, go for it, the floor is yours. <laughs> yeah, okay, thanks. Um, yeah, I was born in Pennsylvania and lived there my whole life until I went to college at Mount St. Mary's in Maryland. I was baptized Catholic, and but I was not raised in a faithfully Catholic environment. Uh, we stopped going to church after our confirmation, and I never really thought about faith much for about six years after that. So definitely kind of a cradle Catholic, kind of a adult convert in a way, um, kind of went to the Baptist world and came back. But I went to Mount St. Mary's and I had the unfortunate experience of meeting Nathan Crankfield in 2014. <laughs> and I joined ROTC at the Mount and I ended up commissioning in 2017 into the Army Reserves and moving to Haiti as a missionary at the same time. And so I kind of balanced missionary life and Haiti life in the army for the last few years. And I am finally back as of January in Haiti full time for the foreseeable future. So that's where I am right now. I'm the business development director for an organization called Global Partners of Peace and Development. 
And I manage the transitions of teenagers who are aging out of a children's home and I'm opening a coffee shop for them. Amazing. Amazing. That was a very, very humble explanation of your life. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds really interesting. Well, you tell the people what, what is some of the work that you've done at Seeking Excellence? What do you do for us here? Oh, yeah, I do everything at Seeking Excellence. Amen. Um, <laughs> not everything. Risk is very important, too. Um, so I'm just I along for the ride. Joined, <laughs> I joined Seeking Excellence the day before we launched for the first time True. in March. In April. Right? April. I think it was April. By April 22nd with Nathan or something. And yeah. Bob, when it was just the three of us. Oh, and they Bobbert. Brought me on as their blog editor. Um, yeah, I did that for a while and then I also kind of handle the emails and I'm on Instagram sometimes and that's True. about and I look. <laughs> yeah and you write which is great and so I think this is something that's really I important do. because um we never talk about this enough. So if you have not subscribed to our newsletter, I'd highly encourage you to go to those who seek.org, those who seek.org and subscribe to our newsletter, our weekly newsletter, where we send out our blog, our podcast, we highlight videos. And it's so important. That's it's something that Leanne runs. And we love that. We love the people who are part of our, our circle with that. And there's going to be some important news, especially in the next couple months. Uh, so if you're a consistent listener, we highly, highly encourage you get in that reading. We have some fire, fire blog writers. Yeah. I think I'm a better writer than I am a speaker at this point. And so you don't want to miss. Yeah. Comparable. And I spent a lot of time on that newsletter every week and only 141 people are receiving it. So we, we need more. The road to a thousand. The road to a thousand has begun. And so we're pushing for that too. But Leanne also is a level run cross level one CrossFit coach. Is that correct? Level one CrossFit coach, an MBA graduate, which you did not mention from the Citadel. I am. Yes, I do have an MBA. Yeah, which is cool. Deployed to (laughs) Afghanistan for nine whole months, three months longer than I did, which you just failed to mention as well. Uh, Yeah, there's a few things in there that some would highlight in their life story, their journey that you just decided to leave out. Not only did you lie about finding it to be a displeasure or a curse to have met me, but then you left out some of the most important aspects of your life, <laughs> especially important in the realm of what we're talking about today, which is excellence Amen. in a life of service. You're right, which, you're right. You know, as usual, I am here to assist you and um, just help you along the <laughs> way. So, yeah. Praise God. So, yeah, we're going to talk about excellence in a life of service today. So, obviously, when we talk about seeking excellence, you cannot be excellent, especially from a Christian perspective, from a perspective of virtue if you're selfish, if you're not a servant of the people, right? If you're not a servant leader, if you're not just somebody who goes out and seeks to fill the needs of other people, if we neglect the needs of others, I mean, how many times does St. Paul tell us to think about the needs of other people as more important than our own? Jesus tells us the same thing, to to die to ourselves, to live for him, and in doing so, loving his people, feeding his sheep, Uh, you know, and it's just incredibly important. And so I think that you have, have, you know, I think that I've done a lot of service and things in my life, but I know that you've done tenfold uh, what I've done so far. So I, I'm excited to talk about this topic with you today and just kind of get into how missionary work uh, and not just missionary work, but also your life of service to our country and other opportunities you've had to serve. And even just, you know, it doesn't have to be one, one thing that's really important as I always try to highlight when we have, when I have guests on is we're going to talk about some big, like serious service, right? Like Afghanistan and living in Haiti, but it doesn't have to be that big. You know what I mean? Like we're called to do this each and every day. When you 
move back to the United States of America and start working full-time for Seeking Excellence in three years, you're going to still be called to service, right? Like you're still going to be called to serve and to, to be a servant, servant leader. So yeah, just talk to me a little bit about like kick us off with just some of the ways that missionary life, you know, a life of service, a life of intense service has really kind of formed you as a woman. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I have, you know, spent several years on and off in Haiti and left for Afghanistan, like you mentioned, and came back and have kind of spent a lot, my entire adult life after college in an intense sacrificial state of service. Yeah. And I think it's really important to start off before saying anything else, that that does not make what I do more inherently moral or more inherently valuable or more inherently derivative of service than something that someone may do in York, Pennsylvania, where they're still giving their entire being to serving others, but maybe in the corporate world or maybe in a gym or maybe in, you know, any kind of other setting. So I've been blessed like abundantly. And I think that the reason that I have spent time in Haiti, that I live in Haiti and that I was sent to Afghanistan is because I am stubborn and I need That's it. true. And I need to be challenged like immensely and I need to be put in a pretty desperate situation in order to learn the same lessons that someone else might be able to learn in Atchison, Kansas on your year-long Benedictine street. Yeah, so, I, I, <laughs> so yeah, just to kick off by clarifying that yeah. service is not measured by the desperation of the population that you're serving. Service is measured by the like tenacity and ferocity and behind your heart with which you serve. And so there is nothing more inherently cool about one method of service over the other. That being said, life in Haiti um, and nine months in Afghanistan have been overwhelmingly difficult at times. And it has mm. put me in a place of more of a sacrificial service state of living. And that's taught me some lessons that, like I said, I wouldn't have learned in Washington, D.C. or Emmitsburg, Maryland. And so I'm grateful for it and it's formed who I am and it's brought me out of some of my natural sins and it's brought me out away from some of my vices and it has been really good for me. And I have transitioned from somebody who was probably serving because I felt like it was the right thing to do to mm. somebody who's here because this is the only place I could be right now because this is where God and this is where God is going to be. And so that's what service is all about, is just giving your whole heart to everyone around you at every moment while still valuing, you know, yourself and your needs, but really caring about others and really letting service take over your whole being because, it's, you know, we're made in the image of God and God is love and service is love. There's nothing that doesn't have a positive or a negative outcome. And so everything we do can be done in service if we're always aiming for a positive outcome for someone else. And so I think that's probably the biggest lesson I've learned is that service is who we are and service yeah. is peace and it's fire and it's love. Boom. That's amazing. I think that's such an interesting perspective, you know, and, and I was just talking about this yesterday with Father Chase, and I don't know if this episode is going to come out before or after that one, but in the homily this past weekend at Benedictine College, or no, two weekends ago, excuse me. So two weeks ago, Father Simon, the chaplain, talked about how he thinks we need to start doing collections again uh, for tithing for the students. And he's like, not because we need your money, but because you need to give it, you know? And it was just like a baller shift in perspective. And you just hit on that in, re in regards to service. 
in that we don't just serve for the, like, that's a great way to start. It is a great way to start. And that's, you know, on a, at a basic level, that is why we tithe, right? Because everybody thinks of tithing as like, we got to keep the lights on in the church, which is true. And there's churches that are struggling financially that do yeah. need money to pay the bills. But you got to keep the light on in your soul. And the only way you do that is by serving and giving. Yeah, serving and giving of yourself. And you have to, it's good to be moved to that to start because you see a need for other people. But it's so beautiful. If you you haven't really served in your life, you haven't really done anything sacrificial until you realize that the service is for you. The service is transforming your life more than it is you're having an impact on, on the exterior things that are around you. And I think that's why you see so many people in the military who at the end of their time, you know, people say, thank you for your service or whatever. Like they feel honored and proud and grateful for what they got to do. You know, you view it as more of a privilege as I'm sure you do your time in Haiti. Like you view it as a privilege to be down there. You're like, this is sure. It's a sacrifice. There's definitely things you sacrifice. Sure. You miss America a ton, you know, like you wouldn't hate some air conditioning. You wouldn't hate to eat at home. I'm sure every now and then by, by any means, but you still view it as generally, you know, it's like, Dude, yeah, this is a privilege that I get to do this because you're you are being transformed. You are being uh, yeah formed by this experience of giving yourself to other people in these extreme environments. And when you give up the impact, and when you give up the outcome, and when you give that to God, you you let go of that, and you realize that sure, what I'm what I'm doing, my job might have a positive impact, but it won't without God, and I won't without God. And so to hold on to that outcome, to say that I'm serving and I'm going, I'm going to open a coffee shop and I'm going to get 17 kids money for college. Like that's not my job, right? My job right. is to listen to God and, and to do where God's God work. put me and to do God's work. And Matthew 5, 14, right? Like you are the light of the world and everything we do should give glory to God. And, but that's yes. not just the, you know, that's not just like a Bible study or like a lesson that you teach kids, like just to be cute. Point to God, like <laughs> there's a transformation that happens, right? There's a transformation that happens in service where you truly give it over and say, I am doing nothing. My presence here could do literally nothing if it wasn't God's outcome and God's plan. And so when you give up that impact and you give up that picture at the end and that outcome, it's big. that's when service happens. Until then, it's just volunteering for the sake of volunteering, right? It's not right. not service. It's not, yeah. And putting There's yourself, I think. putting yourself in those extreme opportunities and those extreme examples, like, give you an opportunity to see the glory of God and the way God's providence works in the lives of human beings in ways that you just can't in comfortable middle class America. You know what I mean? Like, you just don't get to experience them in the same way. Um, when you're here, you know, like not to fully go too much into like the extreme levels of service, but there is just so much value in for a certain period of your time, especially for young people listening to this, even if it's just for a weekend, you know what I mean? Or for a week or just like, and you can do it in America, you know, like there's extreme poverty in the United States of America where you can put yourself in very uncomfortable situations. Um, and those can look so many different ways. Right. But when you get to experience that, the way that, that people trust God, the miracles that happen, like it's deep, man. It's, it's something serious to really get to see what's going on out there. Uh, yeah, your worldview. Like yeah. you can't really, you can't really fulfill much until you expand your worldview outside of yeah. wherever you're from or whatever you're comfortable with. And that discomfort and that like shift in worldview yeah. creates those powerful moments that you're talking about. And it creates this, it allows us, it clears our minds and our eyes and it lets our, like it 
leads us to these bigger moments and these more extravagant revelations of God because we we give space for it because we're uncomfortable and we're expanding and we're we're in a natural place to receive to receive change and to receive something awesome and we just aren't in that place on our couches right we aren't in that place in our own living rooms and so it's just as much internal as it is like I said earlier it's not up to the desperation of the population that you're serving right it's up to the level of discomfort and the for audacity behind your heart and everything you're saying is spot on with it's hard to see that in your home church sometimes and right. it's hard to see that it, it is hard I joke that my I went to Afghanistan in 2019 January to November January to October and um, I had a junior soldier who lived with me she Specialist Clark, I love her dearly, and she. Um, many tales. Yeah, and she just, she, I gave her so much love and so much time, and she gave it back. But I joke that like that was my real service in Afghanistan was like that friendship and that like yeah. you know like that. And so there's not just because you're in, and it's a joke, right? Like we did a lot of good work in Afghanistan too, but like it's kind of not a joke, and like the way that we were able to touch each other's lives and the change that came from that, yeah. that was a very normal two 20 to 25 year old young women living in a room together. You know, that happens in the U S every day in every city. But for some reason, because we were in a desperate, not desperate, but because we were in an intense situation, yeah. it brought out something totally different, which is why discomfort is so important to service. Yeah. Cause you're going through stuff and you're getting to grow together. And you, like you said, right. you can commit to that. You can commit to that with your college roommate. You can commit to that with your roommates that you live in as a young adult. Like you commit to that with your spouse. You can commit that with friends, like to actually commit to doing something hard together and growing in that is, is so powerful, man. You know, like, I mean, I, I worked out, so I did hill sprints with one of my residents this morning and it's like, I feel more bonded to him. You know, we had good conversation in between and things yeah. like that, like than any other resident. It's like point. your army mentality, right? Like, yeah. We it's suffer together, together so that right. we're close. Yeah. yeah. One thing I want to touch on that you just mentioned is the perspective shift that happens, especially in how that, that affects our seeking excellence mindset and this mindset of extreme ownership of all the different areas of your life, the different pillars, right? Because, you know, I went on, I went on a few uh, mission trips to the Dominican Republic um, and just like being there, I remember coming back and in the midst of me kind of like figuring out this whole like seeking excellence philosophy and all these things, like, I just remember, and luckily I got to go three times because I think each time I learned something, it was formed and shaped differently, you know, and I'm, I'm a little bit stubborn as well. You know, you're not alone in that, in this, in this duo. (laughs) Yeah. Which definitely comes to a head at certain points in passionate and intense conversations between us. Uh, Some might call them disagreements. Yeah. But anyways, I, I learned a lot and I learned a lot about how, you know, it's not always true that if you can, you ought to do something. But sometimes it is right. And sometimes we need to see people who people who are deprived of the opportunity to serve or deprived of the opportunity to be financially successful in order to understand how important it is for me to budget each month and for me to take care of my debt, me to make good financial decisions. We need to see people who are unable to be physically active, who are, you know, whether they're disabled or deformed or whatever, for me to understand how important it is for me to do the things that they wish they could do because I do have the opportunity to do it because I do have access to a gym and to a fitness center and to just clean, safe areas to run in. You know what I mean? Like how important that is all these different aspects of our lives to learn, to be a lifelong learner. I have access and the the financial ability to buy books. I have 
bookshelves full of books, you know, and I just choose not to read when there's people out there who can't read, who were never taught to read, who wish they could read and wish they had opportunity all the things that I had and wish they could be in a situation similar to mine with gifts similar to me and how, and, and they're deprived of that because of nothing other than where they were born. You know, and I think that I, I see so many people and you know this, and, and it's hard for those of us who have experienced true, like destitute, hopeless, like borderline hopeless. I don't think any situations ever absolutely hopeless, but very, very despairing situations. And to come back to the United States of America and see people who just take everything for granted, don't care about, you know, anybody outside of the United States or even the poor that are in the United States and thinking about, you know, just living their comfortable lives, never get uncomfortable, never push themselves, never challenge themselves. And it's like, dude, do you know how much somebody would kill to have your opportunity to kill to have your body, to kill to have your mind, to kill to have your finances, to kill to have your access to things that we have? And you just don't take advantage of it. You're just scrolling on your phone every day, going to do your, do your job that you're not passionate about. And you're not doing anything that'll actually positively impact their lives or the lives of the people around you. Like, it's wild, right? Like, it's, I mean, we can get very, very worked up about that. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> and that, that moment of you find yourself in that, like, like, say we're coming from college and you're going on a mission trip, right? Or my first, my first mission trip to Haiti. Um, and you get put into that just 180 of a situation. Mm-hmm. It is like a smack in the face from God. It is this is this is what you're with this is what you're doing it's not like a kind this is you know like this is an old ad right here like smacking you in the face with like this and this reality of what you're doing with your life and what you're doing with your time and it is tough and it's tough but you know you don't have to go to port-au-prince haiti to find that like Atchison, right. Kansas can be your Calcutta, right? Like Emerson, mm-hmm. Maryland is Calcutta if we make it. And that is that stepping out and that being intentional in that there's no point in saying, you know, I just don't have the opportunity to serve. Or I don't have the time to serve. Because that's nonsense. Because on every single street corner and every single grocery store, every person you run into opportunity to serve. You let God work for you. So it's dramatic. You know, when you first ask in and see some it's like when you the Dominican public or you don't have to have eight hundred dollars in a plane ticket to have that moment. You just have to step out of your comfort zone. And that's the part that I think is not frustrating, but is a little bit, you know, it could make people do one thing. It would be step out of your comfort zone in your own hometown and just see what happens and and then if, you know, depending on how that goes, like there's steps and there's, there's next directions and you can do a lot with that. But yeah, it's, it's tough. It's definitely tough. It's so difficult. And I think that a lot of times people have these profound experiences, you know, and you can encounter it in so many different ways, whether it's just a conversation you've had with a homeless person once or, you know, driving through a poor part of town or whatever it might be, is we have this tendency to just like push that away. Like push that deep out, you know, into the back of our minds. Yeah. And just like, you want a men in black flashy boy and just like, forget everything you just saw and just kind of go about your life. Right. In the, in the, in the same way that you've been living. And like, we're not called to do that. We're not called to see pain and suffering and just neglect it. And it doesn't mean that you have to try to solve every person's problem that you come across. Cause you would never live your life. You never eat, you never sleep. Right. So you can't do that, but there has to be this, yeah. but you have to have this 
you know, awareness to say, okay, what can I do? How can I allow that to form me as a human? How can I allow it to view, form my beliefs, my values, you know, who I am and how I live my life and how I take responsibility for what God has entrusted to me, you know? And I think that there's a lot of Americans who I think, you know, just going back to the SE mind, mindset, there's a lot of Americans who don't realize when we talk about the parables of the talents, you know, and how much God has given us and entrusted to us, they don't realize that they're one of the people that's gotten 10 and they think they're the person that's gotten five or one. You know what I mean? And they don't realize what the person with one's life actually looks like because they've never seen it. They've never been to the places of poverty or lack of opportunity, lack of education to understand what it looks like to have one talent. They have 50 and think they have five because they might be looking at somebody who has a hundred, but they're just confused. You know what I mean? And they're not actually taking responsibility but you can't forget what you've learned and you have to take assessment of what do I have stewardship over? What do I have responsibility over? What has God gifted me with? Because you're going to be responsible and you're going to answer to the ways that you've handled those. And if you've given those away in service to other people, if you've been open to sharing those with other people, if you've been generous with those gifts, talents, your time, your treasure, all that stuff. And so it's really, really important. And so we just constantly want to encourage people to do that and take advantage of that. But I love, you just brought up something I wanted to talk about is, finding your own Calcutta. So can you tell me like a little bit of how did you come to find Haiti as your Calcutta? Like what was the journey for that like? Yeah, it was crazy. It was really weird and something that could have only been put together by God because it was just, it was weird. Okay, so I was dated this guy in high school and his youth pastor is the, uh, he works for the organization currently work for. And I remember on Instagram actually, when I was in 11th grade, seeing a picture of one of the youth members in Haiti in a pool with actually with one of the kids that I work with now. And I and said, hey, where are you? Can I come and he hooked me up with, his name's Matt Riggins. He's, he works for my organization. And I went on a trip the next summer with 72 people. I was uh, one of two Catholics and I was 18 and I did not know anybody and I was just like yep we're going to Haiti and it was it was stupid and it was spontaneous and it was I didn't realize what I was doing when I signed up for it for sure I wasn't like I had this well and remember again at this point I'm attending a Baptist church I am not a person Catholic I don't even care much about my faith it certainly doesn't dictate the way I live or the decisions I make right this is just like I saw this really cool picture I want to go like I want to do that <laughs> yep. that looks cool and so yeah, so it wasn't like this faith-filled discernment. About me. It was literally teenage foolishness, but it was God. Gosh. And um, so, yeah, I spent a, 10 days on a short-term trip, and I didn't even meet the kids that I worked with on that trip. But I really loved Haiti, and I was really drawn to Haiti. And so I, in addition, I asked if I could come back over the winter for a month for an internship. And they said, yeah, and they set me up with this lady. I didn't have anyone here full time. My organization didn't. And so they set me up with this lady, uh, el- like older lady who's been in Haiti for 20 years after us retirement. She's, you know, been around the block a bit. And she, I lived with her for a month at her school. And at the end, she took care of the kids that are in the kids' home now. And so I met them and I met Nicolange, who is my girl. And she is what brought me back to Haiti. She was. Um, it's her story, not mine, but it was a really intense month and it was a really special month. And it was the reason why I came back to Haiti several more times after that, really just to visit most of the kids, of course, but mainly Nicolange. And so again, at this point, 
in this moment, when I met Naganj, when I was in Haiti for a month, still not a practicing Catholic, still right. not even really a practicing Protestant Christian, kind of just living my life, like not making the decisions, like um, kind of a hot mess. Okay, truly a hot mess. And so the fact that that has brought me here now is just, you know, a web of fulfilled promises and a web of just intricacies that I didn't understand at the time. I met yeah. Amber, who I work with now, that month one day. She was on her way out the day that I came in and landed and she sat me down and she said, listen, let me tell you everything you need to know. And she introduced me to everyone and she said, wow. all right, have a good month. And now I live with her and she's my best friend and we were on a ministry together, the cafes. And, and so God just, you know, worked in that time for me and faith, I mean, like, Thank goodness, because it is crazy. It's crazy. And so, yeah, weird little web of how I got here. But now that kids home, kids home, my organization has control over them now. Not control over them, control over the kids home now. And we have 17 kids who are graduating high school in the next five years. And it is very hard to transition out of poverty. Um, Sure. And not that our not that kids are living in poverty, but Haiti is an impoverished country. And transitioning out of that and jumping that hurdle is something that you can't really fully comprehend until you see all of the obstacles, until you see someone try and try and try and try and um, not get out. And so, yeah, everything that my life is for the next two or three years is just doing my best to open this cafe, Rev Cafe, to them to be able to... Um, transition from the kids home into whatever's next for them and so that they don't get lost or bogged down in that three-year-ish transition period between leaving the kids home and whatever's next for them so really whatever it is maybe it's go to college some of them want to start their own orphanages some of them want to go to the Dominican Republic and study to be a doctor you know but my role in life for the next three years is just to help aid that transition whatever way I can and so that's my life right now yeah. that's amazing and constantly <laughs> trying to recruit me to come down and visit haiti is another yeah and just trying to get someone to visit me because you know that no no one has ever visited me in haiti so we can we can talk about the level of my friendships also because they don't they're not thriving right now <laughs> <laughs> wow. you're the main culprit so <laughs> i'm not going to say that literally anyone else except for you right now <laughs> excellent no, very, very, very good to know. I appreciate that. That's that's awesome. And I think, you know, it's such an important thing. You, you know, it's, it was good. It was good. That was actually, you actually filled in a lot of holes in the story at the time, which was great. So I'm very, very thankful. I think, you know, talking, talking to people about finding their own Calcutta is something I'm very passionate about. And, you know, Mother Teresa obviously came up with that, coined that, that we, not everybody needs to go to Calcutta, not everybody needs to go to a third world country in order to find their Not place of service. Should. Right. Yeah, exactly. But we have to find we have to find where our place is, like where we're called to serve and be present in that. And the, the other thing that I think is so important is to strive to be excellent in that. You know, so I've had conversations with people recently, college students, friends, it's like, okay, you know, somebody will tell me, okay, like fit, fitness isn't my priority right now. And I say, okay, that's fine. Like people don't value fitness the way that I do. They don't necessarily believe in the seeking excellence philosophy or whatever. And I say, okay, well, what, like, what is your priority? You know, like, what are your priorities? And like, I always say, you know, I want, I, I try to preach to my friends, uh, to, you know, whatever people that I'm discipling, whatever, like the same mentality that I play to take 
with like my children someday that I think good parents do where it's like, everybody always thinks that I want to have, or I need to have like a basketball superstar as a kid. And I'm like, no, you know, I want my kids, you can do whatever you want, but you got to do something and you have to like do it well, you know what I mean? Or at least to the best of your ability, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't care. It doesn't matter what you do. Yeah. And so like I have these conversations with people and it's frustrating because I'm like, okay, you know, that's the same thing as like finding your own Calcutta, like find whatever that is that like your area of service, whatever you want to do, you know, like just do it really well, like be intentional about it. What is your plan for that? What is your vision? How are you sacrificing? Like, how is it actually hard and make you uncomfortable? Like, what are you, what are you giving up, you know, to actually do that? In what ways is it actually forming you uh, to be the man or woman that God created you to be? If you're not doing that, you're not living your life with excellence. And you haven't really sought out to find your place that you're called to serve, where you're called to lay down your life. And that place exists for every single human being. And a lot of times you're afraid to ask God where that is. You're afraid to, to or, or you're asking God. Some people will ask God, but with a long list of things that are like, you're not open to hearing. Yeah. Right. So there's a long list of like, okay, God, like, what do you want me to do? Um, but I'm not going to go do X, Y, or Z. You know, I'm not going to do these 10 things. I'm not going to serve these 10 <laughs> groups of people. I'm not going to do this. God doesn't want that. And God doesn't necessarily want you to show up all the time with no actual desires, like without saying to him, this is what I feel passionate about. This is what I feel like you're, you've made me to be good at. Like where, how can I execute and implement these gifts? It's always just a blank slate or what we think is a blank slate of God. What do you want me to do? Your will be done in my life. And I have no desires. I won't share anything of what I want to do, which actually you might be speaking to me, God, through my desires and actually leading me somewhere through the desires and the gifts and the talents that you've laid in my heart, put in my person, which is huge. But also while I'm saying that, while I'm saying God's will be done, there's this huge part of me that's saying, but I'm not willing to do this, 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 or this. <laughs> it's and like, I would bro, really love to do this, this, and this with this person in this city. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Yeah. I, you said something that I think we overlook a lot when we think about service because, you know, sometimes service is hard and there is, there is suffering in service. And like in what, in my daily life, there's suffering. There's things that you got to be, you know, kind of die to yourself a little. And that happens in a lot of circumstances with service, but, but God didn't make us to be miserable. God created us to suffer all the time. God allows some suffering, but God did not design us to suffer. God designed us to live in union with him, to love him, to serve and to know him. And right. so I think personal story, I really started to this because like I just told my Haiti story, right? Like how I met the kids and why I came back. And I, I grew up, like I'm a, I'm a logistics officer in the reserves and I got my MBA. And so I have like these random, like I did these really random things, like on a whim, like I joined RTC on a straight up whim and I decided to get my MBA because I really missed school. Like I really liked school and I really missed it. And just did it all. I uh, had a great program and a great, great offer. Right. These random things. And now once I get back from Afghanistan and I'm freed up and I'm able to like follow, like God puts me in Haiti. And now I have, I have program management skills and I have an MBA that lets me open a coffee shop for the kids who are now teenagers who now need transition who did five years ago, who didn't need me. Five, well, not that they need me, but you know what I mean? Like they, that wasn't a call. God calling someone to help them transition five years ago when I thought I was ready, when I thought I wanted to move to Haiti and I wanted to teach the kids. And there's, mm. 
there's just God puts these pieces together and he did and he he gives you passions and he gives you desires and as you know sometimes some, we, we do have to be realistic and rational about our desires and our wants but God puts passions on our hearts and God guides our hearts and to think that you should be doing something that makes you miserable for the sake of some greater good is 99.99% of the time just not the case. Mm-hmm. You are good at things. You have talent. You have been gifted opportunities. Like I was, I was given the opportunity to do my MBA randomly. I had no interest in business. And now the kids, like, and I'm opening a coffee shop for the kids, which is like clearly where I was called to. And so right. answer the call and follow your desires and follow the things that God's putting on your heart. And you won't, you won't, you know, save suffering all the time. You will be able to serve with some, like, a, you will get glimpses of, like, God as the this great pug master who's just, like, putting all these pieces together for you. Yeah. And there is so much value in knowing that your passions are important and your desires are important. And what you've chosen to dedicate yourself to is important to what you're called to do. And to to not marry the two together is to not see the whole picture and to not see all of God's glory. Not even really get a glimpse of it if you're not using that. Amen. No, absolutely. I think it's beautiful. And another place where your MBA nonprofits has become extremely helpful and applicable. (laughs) Seeking excellence. You became just the pillar in getting that accomplished for us. So we are almost at the finish line, almost reached the goal line with that. So that's been awesome as well. And it is so cool, man. It's so mind blowing, you know, and I get to see it in my life too, in so many different ways of things that God's led me to do, or like desires that he's put in my heart, or just general hardships that I've gone through or things that I've suffered through, and that you go through in your life. And especially when you go through suffering or any challenging times, any times of service, any times of personal growth, with a faith mindset, with the, the mindset of excellence, with the mindset of growing in virtue, how transformative it can be and how God can use those lessons, those hard-earned lessons later on in your life, how he's forming you for something that you don't even know yet, that you might not even be able to understand or, yeah, or, or, yeah, envision, you know, possibly. So it's really, really cool. So that's great. So we'll we'll bring it home with that. I think, you know, it's so important for people to really discern and, and just really pray about where is your Calcutta? Where are you being called to serve? Where are you being called to live your life? in excellence, you know, in service to other people, because we're all called to that. And we're all called to form ourselves. And, you know, we didn't even get into, you know, just like the the interior life and the spiritual life needed for hard service like that. And it's needed for everywhere. You know, sure, a lot of times do people pray harder when they're deployed? Absolutely. Do people pray harder sometimes when they're, you know, on mission work in third world countries? Absolutely. But should we? No, right? Like it, it really yeah. shouldn't change. Like it really shouldn't make any difference. Our, our pleas to God should be just as desperate, just as passionate, just as strong day to day as they are, you know, in those more intense moments. And we form ourselves, we prepare ourselves for spiritual battle, for the, the battle that we face out in the world today with society um, and just, you know, our culture. Like we need to be praying like that, preparing ourselves for that at all times. It's not something that you do only in, in times of, of needing to, you know, go into extreme situations. So Really just want to encourage people to pray about that and think about that. Leanne, I look forward to doing more stuff with you for sure. Recording in person someday in Haiti will be an absolute yeah. gift and blessing. We could talk yeah. about so many things. It's been such a pleasure to watch your, your spiritual life. You're coming back to the church. You're falling in love with the church. You're falling in love with the rosary, your, your prayer life growing. Um, and, and obviously just so many different ways that 
that both of you know we've gotten to witness each other grow and mature over the last few years has been has been definitely a gift and a blessing. So very thankful for your time today, for you coming on, and just thankful for all the stuff that you do for Seeking Excellence uh, with the blog, editing literally everything I've ever written in my life uh, <laughs> and making it better. <laughs> so very grateful for you and what you've done. You don't have to tell them that. You can just tell them it's all you, you know? Yeah, amen, amen. really good at this. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, everyone, we encourage you to subscribe, obviously, to our YouTube channel, to our podcast. Leave us a rating, leave us a review, send us an email, let us know what you thought about this podcast. We also want you to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Seeking365. You can find out more about us, about Leanne, about myself on our website at thosewhoseek.org, where you can also sign up for the beloved, the coveted, the baller weekly email, the newsletter, where we send out all our fire content. So don't miss out on anything. Subscribe. Let us know what you think and go forth and be your best.